0: You'll know when you have a wild woman. She'll practice her craft without boundaries. She is truly autonomous. Her loyalty is only to the family she serves, a midwife who will not allow herself to be held back by a system she didn't create. This podcast is for the birth keepers who want to grow and change. We're open to learning through self-reflection and supportive community. We are creating the space to explore without judgment. We are remembering we were born wild. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Born Wild podcast where your hosts, Clover, Sophia, and Emma. We don't know where Leah is. Yeah. And we just have to say we have such a vibe going on. If you could see us, Emma is dressed as a marriage counselor in her silk garment. It's like a silk tuxedo. top. I've really. decided that I just need to wear blazers. Oh, this should be my check-in. I need to wear blazers all the time now because that's like what I'm stepping into. So I'm like, I need like jammy blazers. I need like every occasion. So cozy. <laughs> prepare (laughs) and I'm still in my pajamas and I'm stepping into wearing a scarf every day even though it's almost summer (laughs) yeah it's basically summer now but alas yeah but um today we have with us Amber um Amber is a midwife local to Sonoma County like us and we want to hear all about you we're gonna hand it over to you tell us a little bit about you and then just start with your path towards midwifery welcome amber yay amber thank you i'm so excited to be here um i feel like this is technically my first podcast i've ever been a part of and um it feels very aligned because i was born wild (laughs) 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 like great (laughs) um but yeah um my (laughs) <laughs> journey through getting into this work we were just joking before it started everybody is born at home uh except for something i was born at home at <laughs> <long>. <laughs> i never knew what my placenta looked like my cord is cut early <laughs> she's got trauma <laughs> well i mean the thing is i always have these conversations you yeah, know i'm always talking about birth um one of the doulas I work with, Alana, um, we talk about this a lot of like, from the outside, what could it look like? Um, like, what does a beautiful empowered birth look like or something like that? And for someone else, they could be like, oh, that's crazy, that's traumatic, you know? And so when you said like, you're, you weren't born in at home or whatever, I was born at home, but, but, um, you know, the cord was cut really fast. And I do have like a visceral um, memory of that. because I've done my own birth work, which I highly recommend everybody do who's a human being because we were all born, (laughs) we were all born wild, um, but we were all born. So we all are coming in with our related to birth. And um, so, yeah, I was born at home Incredible mama. She so I was born in England, and in England, midwifery care is standard. And I just think it's really funny because you know I'm in America where we see doctors as this uh, like hierarchy of amazing, you know, the top of the top. And in England, you say midwife, or even other parts of the world, you say midwife, and it's like, oh wow, you know, my hats off to you, so much respect. And here you say it's like, what? Is that <laughs> and so it's yeah, it's very interesting. So you know, I thought that I would be a midwife and people, you know, would know what that meant, but it's actually doing a lot of explaining what a midwife is. Um, but yeah, so you know, in England, midwifery is standard care for everyone. Um, and so my mom uh you know got that care, but home birth isn't like standard um so she already she always she wanted to do a home birth and so when she went into labor she just called the midwife and said my house because this is what's gonna happen <laughs> and they were like oh okay um so yep you know I grew up with just birth being normal and celebrated and you have siblings. I feel like Were they all born at home? Yes. That is my next story to tell. (laughs) Um, It's okay. Uh, So, yeah, my brother. So, how, like, I feel like how it really started for me in terms of the work that I do is I felt like when I was 10 years old, all of a sudden I started having my antennas up for pregnant women. Like, all of a sudden I was identifying them walking down the street. I could tell by seeing them from behind, I was like, that woman's pregnant. And then she'd turn. I'd be like, mm-hmm. I knew that. And then like my teacher, my teacher, uh, I was like, she's pregnant. And then uh like, you know, a couple weeks later, she's like, I'm pregnant. And I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you know, it kind of like those antennas were up for me for whatever reason. Like I truly believe that um everybody's born into their talents and it's a discovery of what that is and so for me it felt like it just was part of me deep inside and it's not like I chose I don't think you really I mean you do choose but I don't think you kind of choose it chooses you to do this work you know what I mean it's like it's pretty crazy if you want to be doing this work (laughs) um so Uh, Yeah. So I was just all of a sudden calling for a baby brother, sister. Like I was crying to my mom. I was like, please, I want a baby brother, sister, please. And, you know, it's funny as a, you know, as I talk to many other families, I hear that a lot where siblings will kind of start calling in, you know, the other babies of the family. And I feel like you're kind of open, like if you could say spiritually or whatever level that is, but I feel like kids are open to um spirit a little bit easier than humans sometimes and so um i think that's very interesting to just like observe where you know s- some other kid will be like where's where's our baby brother or sister you know and so that's what I was doing for whatever reason like I was a happy single child like I never thought of <laughs> having anyone a part of my life and then all of a sudden I was like <laughs> please I want to have a baby please And so um, I was like, not long after I was like, oh, you're pregnant. She was like, no, no, I don't know yet. You know, uh, we have to do a test. And I was like, oh, no, you are. And I just like was so excited. You know, I just I can't. I remember being in the car. We were at the post office and I just was like, oh, my God. You know, like, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's like it's just so much joy and excitement. So then I couldn't contain that joy and excitement then I was just like raiding the streets and my class and just like screaming it to the world like I'm gonna have a baby brother or sister and my mom was like can you just like quiet down (laughs) um so yeah and then you know I wanted to be a part of all the prenatals everything and and that was also very natural for my mom as well for me to be a part of it and I also have this memory of my mom sitting down with me in the living room and we were like watching some birth videos and I was just like why are we doing this like are you trying to get me prepared because like you're just gonna have a baby like this is silly (laughs) like we don't need to prepare me um you know, uh, I was like, cocky. Yeah. I was very full of myself <laughs> at a young age. <laughs> and at this point. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I I just felt like no, it's a you know, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just like there's nothing weird or scary or peculiar or anything about birth. It was just like you're going to give birth and it's going to be great, and like why why think otherwise so um then the day of the birth I remember waking up and we um I have an image I my mom's an artist and like I did a lot of art growing up and I remember I have an image of sketching her and um and then like later on I did like a little um like kind of went back and was like Zaya was born the next day. Like I did like little comments like, hi from Zeo in the belly. Um <laughs> Zaya was my brother's name. Um anyway, it's funny to look back and see my my innocent cuteness. So um, you know, she was in early labor and like, you know, it's hard to explain what that's like, but you're in another dimension, you know, like it's um it was like a warm summer's day. It was actually, it was the day before summer solstice and like, it was just so warm and the garden was just blooming with like flowers. And, um, you know, the like world slows down in a way and you're just in a different kind of space. And um, it was just really beautiful, you know to be in that world with my mom. And, um, then up and she brought all these movies and she was like we're gonna be up all night like this is a long marathon and I was like no this baby's gonna be born at like four o'clock we're just like gonna have this baby <laughs> and um it was either four or four thirty. but anyway that's when he was born it was like pretty much on the dot um and it wasn't an all-nighter you know it was a very beautiful quick not to say that quick is better more beautiful or anything like that but um so yeah so everything kind of just picked up and uh my mom was in hands and knees on the living room and that place is a very dark room and she felt very comfortable you know like my mom and I are very close so we t- we've talked a lot about it um and she was very comfortable there and the midwives were I think in like Marin Somewhere kind of far on like a hike. And so we called them in and they were like instructing us if they weren't going to get there in time. Um, so I was like, yeah, let's go. You're <laughs> <laughs> like, dreams do come true. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, this is even better. Um, so and they were like, probably not going to make it. And so I was like, yeah, all right. And um, my mom's like, you know, having the urge to push and like hands and knees moaning and groaning on the floor and then they did like just barely make it and they just kind of rushed in and um, this is where I like throughout all my birth experiences everything to me is like witnessing what I really like and what are the things I don't like and for me everything that I don't like is what I bring with me because I'm trying to learn how I wanna be. Um, and I've had a lot of experience with things that I don't like. <laughs> um, so they, they rushed in and they were like, all right, let's get you on the bed, let's move you. And my mom was primal in her state wanting her dark private space. And for her, that was very disturbing to be, she didn't really wanna go into the bedroom. Um, I think they were think there was some construction going on, and I think they were thinking like, you know, I don't know, safety. Maybe I'm not really sure exactly why they made that call, but anyway, that was, um, you know, something that I thought was weird in that moment. But also talking with my mom, where she was like, I didn't want to move. I just wanted to be there. Um, and so then we moved to the bed, and you know, birth doesn't need to be on a bed. Birth can be anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um so and then you know she had her baby and it was beautiful and um so to me as i'm a midwife i'm always trying to this kind of looping back to what i was saying is like some people could say a home birth is peaceful and beautiful and undisturbed but there's so many layers and details of an experience Um, And for my mom, that being moved into the bed was part, was something she like talked about for years, like only till recently. And my brother's 17 has, she kind of felt like she's let that go um, because it felt like such a disturbance in the process. And you could say, you know, there's always that like, well, baby's healthy mama's healthy you know at the end and it's just like ah, oh, like we can also value uh people's emotional or other states of the experience and just because you have a healthy mama and baby at the end doesn't mean that it was empowering or blissful for the mom you know um so Yeah. I always think about that as one of my own first kind of teachings of like, okay, when I work with a mom, how can I support her, um, in a way that's trying to not disturb the process as much as I possibly can. And for so many people that like that has so many different layers and intricacies, um, because, you know, for some people they're like, like what is kind of undisturbed and gentle and um, and not, I don't know. I just think it's very subtle, like really subtle. You know, mother led birth and yeah. she, she didn't leave that piece and that's the piece that bothered her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, really beautiful journey to be a part of that my brother and I are very close and um yeah and then you know I continued to um I don't know I was it wasn't like when I was 10 I was like yeah I want to be a midwife but then later on when I was a teenager I was like I think I want to do nursing I'm not really sure and then um I watched Guerrilla Midwifery, which if you haven't watched that, it's super awesome. And um, I actually haven't seen it since I was 17. And I would love to go back and watch it now just to kind of go back into that space and reflect on like, that was a huge, that was really the moment that like, was like, oh, this is what I want to do because it brings in so many different pieces of what midwifery is that I'm passionate about. Um, And so At that point on, I was in the discovery of, like, okay, what can I do? What are the trainings? What are the, you know, what's going on in this world in terms of birth? Um, And, you know, there's like such a push towards conventional medicine and nursing way of midwifery. And I talked to midwives and they were home birth midwives and they were also saying, like, it's so much easier if you do nursing. And I think to some agree that's true, you know, like you have a schedule, you just walk in, you see them, you go, it's just easier in a sense, but that would not be fulfilling to me at all. And part of what I'm passionate about is that intimacy that you create with families. And it's the most like primal intimate state you can be a part of without dating someone. (laughs) like it is so freaking intimate you know and like that's so beautiful it's such an honor but like you know you can't really put it in a box and like make a schedule out of it because birth just happens when it happens so um I I'm so grateful for hospitals and you know what they do but it's not for me you know so um At this point in your life are you still in England or have you moved here? No, I'm in I'm oh wait, in terms of school? Sorry, in the story. Sorry. (laughs) I'm like, what? Um, Um, Yeah, so I um (laughs) moved when I was six to America and um Oh, so you're then here? Yeah, in the Bay Area. Uh, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. You went to the same high school. Oh, yeah, I didn't Yeah, I went to Berkeley High. Of course whoever who knows Emma's wife and she knows everyone yeah. yeah so okay so you're here yeah that's kind of you know the the beginning of my journey mm-hmm. into good. this world mm-hmm. and then birth. when did you decide to look into midwifery and what did that look like for you yeah when I was 17 when I watched Gorilla midwifery it was like oh this is what I want to do for sure and then I was looking at okay nursing I was like this doesn't feel right I don't want to do that I want to do traditional midwifery and I I knew I was a very hands-on learner and I knew that nursing it's a lot of textbook um,
1: classroom did you like setting
0: like doula, or did you go straight into midwifery school like how did that unfold yeah I I knew I wanted to do midwifery for sure so I was just like okay this is it um, and then I was like, well, maybe I should go to like a couple births before I fully commit to doing midwifery. Like, you know, I went to Zayo's, my brother's birth. Like that was amazing. That was incredible. I want to be a part of that. But like, what would it be like to support someone who's not my family? You know, like what, it, what would that be like? And so um, I did heart and hands training with Elizabeth Davis. And so that is a prerequisite to NMI. So I thought, okay, um, and that, and you walk away with a doula certificate. So I was like, okay, I can get some training and not fully commit to midwifery and see how it feels. And the whole time it was like, yeah, this is what I want to be doing. Um, But I still wanted birth experience. Um, So I went to India um, for part of a yoga retreat retreat study training experience and I was there for six months and I reached out to a birth center there and I asked if I could just volunteer and support women and again going back to my like things that I love and then things that I don't like you know this really helped me in like okay things that I want to do things that I don't want to do and so um I'm a very um you know, my, my, before even going into midwifery and birth, I did yoga teacher training and I practice every day and like sustainability is important to me. And, um, without that recognition of like my own body and like what's over here, I, I just, I'm surprised that so many people don't have a practice because it feels like so challenging if you don't have a connection to yourself and like your own practice before supporting someone else. So. And when you say I, practice, you mean like self-care? Yoga. Yeah. Like it could be anything, anything you know, just yeah. something. Um, me, you know, I, I do a lot of different things, but one is like always meditation and yoga, some form of movement in the morning. If I can, since, you know, getting called to a birth. Um, but, uh, so anyway, so I went to, yoga, to India, I did that and then I volunteered at this birth center and there was one midwife for all the clients and then there was a student and this midwife was extremely overworked and she was to the point where she was bitter and, you know, just like really hard to be around and um especially during birth and I just was like whoa like this isn't okay you know like for the midwife to be the one person for all these moms doing all the births and um all that pressure and in India transporting to the hospital is like very challenging you're not really I don't know about now because this was you know a while ago over 10 years ago um but you know like just the the hospital situation, the way women are treated—like it's routine—they get an episiotomy and you know all kinds of like stuff that's not necessary and really awful. Um, I don't know what it is now, but that's what it was then. So like going to the hospital was a very big challenge, you know, and like trying to prevent that as much as possible. Um, but then there's times when you actually need it. So there's just a lot of pressure on that one midwife. And so I was witnessing that and I was just like, okay, this is not how I want to practice. Like I want to be taking care of myself. I want to enjoy and love what I do. I want to create um, respect and, and uh, care and spaciousness in the birth experience for women and families to like feel their connection because what was happening is she was so overworked that she was uncomfortable with long births obviously because she's exhausted so she was doing things to like you know manipulate and speed things up um and to the point where the moms were literally telling her to stop and she wasn't listening because she was just done right and so i was like wow that's not how i want to be um, so, um, but at the same time, I had such a energetic like I had so much energy to be that pillar of support and like be that steady person for the moms um, that it was very clear to me that I was like, this is definitely what I want to be a part of, you know, And so that was really validating. And when I came back, that's when I back home into the Bay Area, that's when I enrolled in school in midwifery school. And then I also continue to do, do like volunteer doula work. And when I came back to the Bay Area, that was the first time I did a hospital birth. And that was, holy shit, talk about trauma. I mean, I was traumatized by that experience. Um, And so again, it just validated like, okay, I'm really passionate about supporting gentle experiences through birth. And like, Um, creating to me, it's like space. Like in the hospital, it was it was highlighted that you just do all the stuff, like just constantly poke and prod, and then it was just like like the sacredness, if you want to say that, or the the beauty and the strength and the whatever words you want to use. Like it felt like it was just choked and covered up because we were constantly manipulating the situation rather than just allowing it to be what it is which you don't really need to do anything when a mom's, <laughs> she's doing and so does baby you know and so I just for the mom who went through that and the moms I started, they were obviously fine with it because that was a choice they were making but for me after I just remember being in bed crying and just being like oh my god like whoa um, and I think it's it's hard for people who choose hospital births or, you know, they have training in hospital experiences for them to maybe even hear what I'm saying because they, they're just in a different world and it's hard to like explain what I'm trying to explain unless they have an experience. Yeah. You don't, if that's all you've ever known, then you don't know what it could be. I was just with one of our clients. Um, She is a a labor and delivery nurse. She had her first two at the hospital and her last at home with us. And they thought they were done having babies, but both her and her husband, they were like, we can't imagine only doing that once. Like we're definitely going to have another. And she told us at the last visit, she's like, you've ruined me. I can't go back to work. Like I, I have to be a midwife. I cannot return to my job. I can't do that. What I've been doing to women, like I can't go back. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing it's like you don't realize how little is actually necessary until you realize it and so for those either they're in that boat and or they won't recognize it until later as they process the trauma you know Mm -hmm. and realize how comfortable they were with everything because our bodies know it was trauma even if our minds say oh yeah Mm -hmm. you know yeah and you know it's it's just so interesting like the for example, you know, a vaginal exam that to me that's very intrusive and disturbing. Um, disturbing in the sense it disturbs the natural process, not like disturbing as in awful or something like that. Um, but the amount, I mean, I've just, I've my whole, you know, I've been going to, to hospital births for years now because I continue to do that. I, I have that experience and. Um, And so I just, it's very interesting to me when I'm gonna say pretty much 100% or 99.9% of the experiences with vaginal exams is there's no conversation of like their options, why they need to do it, why they don't wanna do it or like why they should consider not doing it. It's, there's no conversation they glove up, they put the lube on, their hand is practically inside of a woman's cha-cha before they say, we're just going to do an exam. And it's like, you're just going to do an exam. Like you're already doing it. Why even say anything at this point? You know what I mean? And the mom is literally like, no, you know, like her body is saying no, right. She's resisting. She's uncomfortable. She's like, I don't know yelling screaming how, or it's just kind of like ah stop you know how can we not identify that as like violence like I just right like because I think Amber I had a really similar experience to you kind of your whole story feels really resonant to me but when I was like 18 I trained as a doula and I remember going to my first hospital birth and just being like shocked and floored yeah for a while I was like okay well this is what people are choosing and then at a certain point I was like oh no this is actually I just feel like I'm kind of I'm trying to protect them, but I also feel like I'm holding their hands while they get abused and being like, "It's Mm -hmm. gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay." And at a certain point, I was like, "Oh, this feels like I'm enabling. I'm Mm -hmm. being complicit in this thing that just feels so icky." And I noticed when I started like working as a student and being a doula that older women would come up to me or like we'd be talking at a dinner party and like Sophia was saying that trauma that they process later. Like, so many instances where I was like, Oh, you've never talked about your birth with anyone, or like very few times, and you are just like oozing trauma, and you need to just like mm-hmm. feeling like that there's so much that they needed to discharge, and like asking me questions like, Do they still do routine? blah blah blah. Like, I don't know, that happened at my birth, and it felt like a little bit weird, and I've I, I've never been able to forget it. And so mm-hmm. it's like really true that it just stays with the body people, yeah, like people in their 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. Like really Yeah, through their whole life. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, you know, again, that kind of goes back to like my first teaching from my mom where she, you know, we would talk about Zayo's birth and and the it's not an exam, it's nothing physical. It was just yeah. you know, just moving her was extremely uh traumatizing for her you could say because like she wouldn't let it go she was always talking about it like you know and I was just listening to her and witnessing and supporting her in that and um you know and that's what I mean by the subtleties like it could just be so subtle it's not necessarily a vaginal exam it could be yeah you know we were just at a birth and it was kind of long and the mom was in the tub a lot. And there was like this pushing and the not pushing. It was kind of back and forth. And there was one point where we were all kind of thinking like, oh, I wonder what it would be like if she got out of the tub, you know, just like to ourselves. And I was saying to the ladies, like, it's really important that we aren't the ones to bring this up. Like if she looks at us and says, oh my God, this isn't working. I'm like, oh, I'm so tired of being in the tub or, you know, like she has to be the one to prompt the conversation for us because like, even the simple act of like, maybe you should think about getting out, could just like, you know, be like, oh, I'm doing this wrong because I right. want to stay in, but they think I should do something different. Like it can be that exactly like the initiation to the conversation needs to come from her. Yeah. 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 And you know, it's, even not talking about birth, but just like every human being kind of needs to come to their own conclusions on their own. Do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it's just a funny thing. My partner, he runs a business and like, I don't know, he has a lot of experience with running a business. And so we always talk about that. I run my business and I'm always doing interviews and consults with families and like people have to come to their own conclusion. You can never be like, well, this is what you should do. And yes, there's this kind of, there's almost like women kind of want that um, for a lot. I think a lot of women do want that where they want someone to tell them what to do. They want them to kind of. Uh, and I almost, would that they think they want that because their whole yeah. they've been, going to the doctor for well baby visits and all, so we've been like deferring to the professionals our entire yeah. life, and so we have trouble like making our own decisions um, yeah exactly yeah I don't know if it's necessarily want but they're choosing it's like they're choosing to um have an experience where they don't want to make decisions for themselves I don't know it's don't it's interesting. Moments. Maybe who are making their own choices because if you were surrounded by women who were making their own choices, that would be normal to you. But when all your friends are going to the hospital and just being told what to do, then that's that's how the world works for you. Amber, I'm curious um, if you could speak to a little bit what it's been like building your midwifery practice and what your kind of vision for the next ten years or however long, um, yeah, looks like for you. Of like good of way like, like this area, yeah, um it's fucking hard, man, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know it's like all the all the different stages, there's always challenges, you know, like when you're a a new student, um like there's always challenges, you know, it's like, okay, how do you pay the bills? How do you be a student? How do you juggle your life, how do you keep sanity? when you're trying to do all this stuff and learn um so it was just a continuum of that and that I think that's like it it does get easier for sure but I think there's just always challenges <laughs> like it's just hard man <laughs> it's just I don't know you know what I mean I was thinking like oh now I'm gonna have a break like whoo and it's like nope this is just <laughs> uh, Mm-hmm. we lost you. Um, okay, just come back. <laughs> our picture's super cute right now. Look at our little ducky lips. Oh, lip. Am I frozen? Okay, now you're good. <laughs> I think we should. Okay. We don't need to cut it. Thank you. <laughs> okay. okay stop so you were saying um, you thought you would get a break, but nope. Okay. Yeah um but I think it it gets easier as as you just get it going and then you're kind of embodying who you are and to me it's like you're unlearning what you've learned and you're kind of figuring out who you are which I think is a continual question how do you want to practice I think if you're uh I don't want to say authentic uh, if you're a Um, I just think if you're a midwife, you're always questioning. I think if you're in health, you're always questioning, you know, science. If you go by science, like science is always changing. Like we don't know what we don't know. And I think as a midwife, you have to be, I think as like an ethical kind of caregiver to be questioning, okay, was that necessary? Do I really need to do that? How can I improve that conversation? That wasn't what I wanted, but this happened. I don't know. You know, it's just a lot of different things that you're just learning as time goes on. And, you know, I've witnessed some midwives, they become more conservative over time, and some people, they do the opposite. And I think everybody's different, and um, that's okay because you have to be you. You know, you have to be your true, true self. And I remember when I was just starting. Midwifery. It was Elizabeth Davis's um, class, and she's like, "Everybody has a different journey, you know." And um, I, rem- I remember that. And now to be in this place that I'm at, and like hearing everybody's stories and journeys, and like I have others who are just finishing midwifery that I worked with that was in the um, class. You know, everybody has their own timing, and you're walking in with your story and your experience and your journey, and that's what's going to give to your clients. And I just think the more that you become your essence, the more that's going to attract your type of people and really like let go of the people that aren't, you know, your type of people, if that makes sense, because you can't serve everybody and that's not ever going to happen. And I feel like the more I embody, you know, who I truly am, and, and like my essence, those people just kind of fall away. And I think when you're just starting, you're like in a little bit of a scarcity of like I need work and I need clients, and you're kind of like trying to just please people. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe for some people they don't do that. Maybe for some they do. Everybody's different. But um, the more you really like trust yourself and your journey and what you have to bring to the world and who you are which is always a self-discovery um of like peeling away layers um then i think you really do highlight and attract people that want to work with you absolutely i love that you said that yeah because all families are different too so there's families who lean more conservative who need yeah. lives that they can connect with and feel safe with? Yeah, yeah, and the opposite, you know, people who just want someone to, you know, watch them birth and not do anything, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is equally equally important. So um, it's and that's the beauty, you know, that really is truly beautiful in the community when we can all honor as as midwives you know as a birth community honor those differences and those desires within families but also kind of bring light to that and I'm sure you're bringing light to that in this podcast is like everybody has different essences and strengths and what they're really passionate about and so um yeah but also bringing it back to when you're saying like how do you want to work and what's my vision? Um, I want kids. (laughs) So um, to me, it brings back to the sustainability. And um, when I was in midwifery, I I do want to talk about loss because I think that's huge. When I was a student, I was working as a doula to pay my bills. I was trying to date someone. (laughs) I was trying to have family and social life and doing midwifery and you are just juggling a lot um and i got pregnant and i was miscarrying and i was at birth bleeding and i think looking back it was extremely hard um but i felt i was trapping myself because i was around people ex- especially like my um, my preceptor that I was working with, she was very like, go, 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 go. Don't ever stop. Yeah. Um, And I felt like we were always at odds with perspectives. Like I remember one time we were at a lot, like many days of birth, a transfer, really traumatic, just like, ah, uh, you know, kind of birth. And she was like, all right, in two hours, we're doing our prenatal day. And we had like 9 a.m to 6 p.m and I was just like you don't want to reschedule that like I would reschedule and she was like I don't think you should be a midwife I was like "Mm, I think we're just different (laughs) so I was in that kind of world and I and I personally think our kind of a professional world is very go driven and not I don't Necessarily want to say it's like masculine, feminine, but like, for example, right now I am on my period and I try and take it really low because that feels natural to me. And when I'm on my ovulation cycle, I'm like, let's go. Um, and so, you know, when you're saying the vision of what I hold for me, it's like honoring cycles. I mean, that's what we do with women. And I think we have to honor that ourselves and everybody has a different way of doing that, but that's important to me. So, um, sustainability is important and, um, yeah, the loss, you know, I was just really challenging because I was just like pushing my way through it. It was financially, I was pushing my way through it. Cause I was like, if I take a break, I'm not going to pay the bills. I mean, it was just all kinds of things in the end. I had to go into the hospital and get a DNC and I should have literally, like I passed out on the floor and I should have gone into the emergency room, but I was like, no, I'm not paying that bill. So like I was, that was all my own, you know, hardship of myself, but it was also like, and people who, I don't know, are very driven in a certain way. And so I was like, I felt trapped for myself. Yeah. And it's hard because, you know, this work is like, okay, I'm at like, in that instance, I was miscarrying and I was at a birth, like, finish. You no, know, so how do I make it a way for me to be able to take care of myself if that's a situation I'm grieving? And she can still get support because she's not going to stop birthing, you know? And I think that's the challenge in what I consider sustainability is like, okay, or even if you have a kid who's needing to go to the emergency room, how do you have a community where someone can step in and you feel like you can take care of yourself and your family or whatever is going on? Um, And that you're not taking a financial hit because if you had a partnership, somebody could have covered for you and then later on down the road you could have covered for her for something so you wouldn't have to like financially pay her you know where you're like I can't afford to pay her so I'm just gonna stay like they yeah. you knew you would just be taken care of and you wouldn't take a hit financially and you could rest yeah and I mean finances is like a whole conversation I'm very passionate in the birth community of like we need to fucking charge more like the work that we give, you know, doing work, the crazy the work that we give, the energy that we give, everything, a lot, and you got to be able to take care of yourself. Like you said, if you need someone else to step in and do that, and I think there's a lot of scarcity financially in the community where they're like oh well this was the rate so I'm going to keep it at the rate One is charging more than others and it's just like this weird cycle of like what the hell like I literally like um I was talking to someone and I was sharing this was in a business training I was doing and he was like I did a home birth for my kid and we paid the same rate and this was 20 years ago he was like you need to be charging twice as much and i'm like okay so that's over 20 grand and people might not pay for that <laughs> you know and so then it brings me to like insurance like we got to somehow figure out a way to like bring in and up the insurance which i don't know how to do that that's like like accessible to families um, but um yeah you gotta find someone from the insurance company to bring on the podcast to yeah. interview and be like really fuck man like, <laughs> interrogation it's not me <laughs> it's interrogation. no but I do think that we should have a podcast just dedicated to money and midwifery yeah. I think like I said this before as a student I feel like it's so hard to get real numbers and ideas about like okay, so you're putting this much money into midwifery school, how much can you afford to make if you have this kind of practice versus that kind of practice? And it's just confusing. And so it's nice to have transparent conversations about it. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. And I definitely feel like the happiest midwives I know in the Bay Area are the ones that are charging the most. And they're still busy as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. hmm Well, yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a geographic issue too. You know, people will pay. It's, Yeah. But in like a small rural community, you they just can't. And people will like try and lowball you for like five grand, to like up where I live up north, you know? And it's really just not sustainable. It's really hard. So. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of so many different layers, you know? This is always what I say. No. <laughs> Alana, <laughs> Alana makes fun of me. The layers, the layers, yeah. because it is. It's like, it's what can people afford? It's insurance. It's what they, they think that, okay, if I go to a hospital birth, it's going to be covered. So why should I even pay? You know, it's just like all kinds of things, you know, moms not working during pregnancy. Now they're only on one income from the partner, you know, it's like, a lot of stuff. I always just think of the people who save money for cars and they save money for weddings and they save money for big things and we all like yes to varying degrees but I'm always like we can do that for birth. Like oh yeah it's like a different it's a mindset shift of an entire system and culture around the value of birth but I definitely think it's and how much people pay for their weddings. Yeah stuff. exactly like oh like, yeah no when you like real when people You do a con so (laughs) yeah, when you do consults with people and they're like, Oh, I can't afford it. I literally just have this, oh I can't afford it. I go, Oh, okay. Um, and then I don't know, we talked about like having a volunteer doula who has less experience because she wanted a home birth, but she couldn't afford it. So then she was choosing a blah, 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 blah. Um, we loop back around, we have a conversation. I can't remember what I said, but I said something like, so you can't afford my price. And she was like, well, actually we have the money. We have lots of money in in the bank. It's just, my husband doesn't want to pay. And I go, oh, okay. So your husband doesn't want to pay. That's very different. That's a different conversation. And so when you're talking about, yeah, look like zooming out and looking at what people, millions of dollars that go into weddings, you know, or you just go, yeah, you could, pay 10 grand for a photo shoot, or you could have a home birth, you know, you could get your um, coach bag, or you could get a midwife, you You know, like Amber works in Moreno. We're looking at (laughs) each other like 10 grand for a photo shoot. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, it's like, I feel you. I'm like that. You put it into perspective. Uh Yeah. Priority. Thing, you know, a lot of people don't, they don't uh, get a $10,000 coach bag, but, you know, yeah. but when you put it into perspective, a lot of women do prioritize that they prioritize photo shoots and coach bags and Tesla strollers. And it's like, Oh, but you can't afford this. Okay. That's what yeah. you're prioritizing. <laughs> and then there are families who really, really can't. Yeah. And like, yeah. Circling back to, we need insurance to step up. Yeah, you know, it's that mm-hmm. too. It's like just a little side note. The families that have money, in my experience as a student working with several midwives, this the clients that actually have the money are the ones that tend not to finish the payment plan, and the clients that are like the poorest are always the ones that like, okay, I have two hundred bucks through this month. They always pay it off, and they're really like integrous about that, which I think is really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Or it's, um, you know, the people who ask for discounts are the ones that quote unquote don't need it. And the people who kind of maybe don't ask for, uh, discounts, you know? So for me, I don't ever bring in a sliding scale rate. Um, I don't bring in like an automatic, like if you can't afford this, then I do this. Um, uh, I let them come to the conversation and bring that up if that's what they needing. And this is just my ten, you know, years of doula work as well, where, you know, like I said, people will ask for discounts, and I walk into their house and it's a effing mansion. It's like, hmm, okay. Um, so to me, i if anybody asks for discounts, which I definitely want to give support to people who need it, um, I ask for them to apply and they actually prove that they need it so they can show, you know, tax info or something like that. Like, well, you don't just give out your services to people. This was really great hearing your story. We have a couple last questions that we want to ask you. Okay. Oh my gosh, what are they? I said we have a couple oh, last questions okay. <laughs> okay gotcha okay amber your belly button has a ability to do anything if you press it what does it do or like, not necessarily that the okay. belly button does something but like you press your belly button and it has some sort of superpower anything can happen what happens i never phrase it it makes it sound like, the like most- it can be magical and a magical power yeah any magical stuff. power like, anything. A, like a magic button that you press and then anything can happen there you go There we go. write that down <laughs> I press my belly button and I fart that's what <laughs> a you fart did. sound so then I, if I had like an awkward conversation I just press it and it'll be like <laughs> and I just put a poker face yeah, that was the winner. Oh my god! Um, I don't know. I don't know. That I was like the funniest thing that could part be. Our people, Amber's our people. <laughs> definitely our people. Oh my god! Oh, I'm pretty sure like, I press it and it solves world hunger. I was, I was thinking, like, I press it, in my car <laughs> 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 I was thinking you being like, at the insurance covers home the 100% of the time, but she, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, you can't redo your question. I see you thinking. That was just like a just like a thought. But here's the thing. When we go into like insurance, like (laughs) I was um, I was actually on a run. Okay, this was a funny thing. I was on a run and I was like, it was getting dark and I had to get to my van. And I was thinking, okay, like I was experimenting with myself. Like, what how could I make myself keep running? You know, like what would keep me going? And so I was pretending I was like raised bazillions of dollars for the, for the world. And I was like, yeah. And if I make it to the van, I'm going to, you know, like I was just pretending that like all this uh, money would have been raised for me to solve issues. And like, I was just like, yeah, keep going. And if I keep going, like I'm going to change the world. And I, and I was going through, and one of the things that popped in my mind was like, for insurance to be covered for women all over the world. And I didn't really think about it much. It just kind of like, uh, like crossing my mind. And this brings me back to my volunteer days. So when I was volunteering, I found that women weren't valuing my work um, and they weren't as committed To certain aspects of my work. I could just feel a difference between people who paid and people who didn't pay. And so I do think that insurance should be covered for sure. Like I really, you know, I'm very passionate about that. But then I also truly believe that when you pay for something and you're committing, you're putting, like you really are putting your energy and time and resources into something, you're more likely to put in the work and the effort and the gratitude and all this stuff. So I, I, it was funny when I was running, I was like, is that what I really want? Do I really want all women to just have midwives for free? And I was like, no, they should work for it. Just like I'm working for it. You know what I mean? Like, I think (laughs) there's something in that. That's great. Kind of weird. Funny. From insurance companies. Like that's a bigger conversation, but I think divest fully from our messed up healthcare system it's not really working very well you can go back to your teenage self last question if you could go back okay to your teenage self and give her any advice what would it be i thought you were gonna say who would i have sex with um (laughs) (laughs) what advice would i give uh it's hard that's a hard one she knew off, she knew off the bat what her belly button yeah <laughs> I think I feel like I've always listened to like what I what I you know felt right for me so, for a lot of people, I hear them and they're like, you know, do the thing that you wanted to do, listen to that. I feel like I've always listened to like my intuition. Um, but I did, I wasn't necessarily a teenager, but I did date someone when I was like uh, later, a little, like, but I was still kind of young, you know, like er- very early 20s. And I dated them for a while and like, I think I could have ended that sooner. Mm -hmm. but you know I that's the whole thing with like going back in time is like I had to go through that journey to learn that you know that's the whole like people have to come to their own conclusions when they're ready (laughs) and it took me a while to realize that I mean one thing Um, you could have told yourself is just that you're on the right path just keep going and keep trusting yourself you know Mm -hmm. yeah true that yeah 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 well, it was so great chatting with you, Amber. And we look forward yeah, to it. Thank We're you. We're lucky to see you often because yeah, yeah, we yeah. do skills together. and I yeah. know, and births together. Yeah. If great. anybody wants to reach out to you and connect with you, can you say some ways they can do that? And we'll make sure to leave it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can just search my name, Amber Pearson. Um, I also have a website. It's healthymoms.family. And I think that's probably the easiest way. And you're on Instagram and Facebook? Yes. Great. Well, thank you again for coming. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us at Born Wild Podcast on Instagram. For inquiries or feedback, you can email us at bornwildpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me, Emma Ray, on Instagram at emma ray, R E A, Sophia at sophiabirth.com, and me, Leah, at Bay Area Homebirth. We would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us reach more people. And as always, Stay wild!